This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Having the right TMS is vital in supporting freight broker growth. Partner with Thai Software to optimize your processes and compete with confidence. Get into the automation, data insights, and cash flow optimization game. Request a demo at thaisoftware.com. Today, we are covering an uh, interesting move up north that Arrive Logistics has made. Don't forget to subscribe to Check Call the newsletter on FreightWaves.com if you haven't already. Today, we are joined by Noah Seidenberg, the Senior Director of Canada Sales and Operations at Arrive Logistics. Welcome to the show, Noah. Thanks a lot for having me, Mary. Very excited to be here. I'm pretty excited about today um, because one, I just get to figure out what there is in Canada outside of Tim Hortons and poutine. And also um, you guys have arrived, taken an approach that I honestly am very um, curious about to why you took it. But before we get too far into that, let's get some background on you and kind of how you got started at Arrive. Sure. So thanks, Mary. You know, I've, I've been in the Canadian 3PL world for a little over a decade now. Uh, and I've got a pretty good cross-section of the market in general. You know, I've worked at small, medium, large brokers. Uh, I've done kind of full cradle to the grave. I've also worked, you know, more in the, in the split model that we have at Arrive. Uh, I've, I've worked with companies that are doing kind of end-to-end supply chain solutions and also ones that are kind of strictly focused on OTR. So I think across those things, I had a pretty good sense of what the Canadian market looked like. And at the beginning of this year... I kind of found myself just frustrated by the lack of modernity and development and progress in the Canadian 3PL market. Um, So I started to just kind of envision this hypothetical role and company combo that I wanted. And I knew, I knew what I wanted, you know, I knew I wanted to be at a company that was running at the front of the pack uh, that was building something sustainable, you know, something future proof almost. Um, and as I surveyed the Canadian market, I started to get a little depressed about like, does this role exist? Well, like, I, I knew that it existed, but I think it was it was so rare that I started to wonder, you know, was I looking for a unicorn? And turns out, I guess sometimes unicorn hunting isn't such a bad idea because I think that's honestly exactly what I found in Arrive. Um, so, you know, it's been... I try not to believe in fate too much because I think I'm too much of a control freak for that. But sometimes you kind of just throw up your hands and say, okay, things were meant to be. Uh, And that's kind of how it feels with me and Arrive right now. So, you know, being Canada hire number one has been a pretty wild ride. Um, It's been a lot of different things at the same time. So, you know, we've been building out the, the Toronto office, getting it up and running, which we are now, uh, and, and building out our ability to actually do business on the ground in Canada. But then obviously also we've got a huge sales organization across all of our U.S. offices. So we've been also building out our processes to support and develop the ability for those American reps to be able to move Canadian freight as well. Uh, So between the two sides of the border, uh, you know, building up simultaneously, we're in a pretty great position today. I feel like that's kind of the ultimate cheat, like cheat code or like hack of 
you know, just opening up another office within us, within an organization. So that way all the other people that are out there selling can just be like, so, you know, now we can handle your Canada as well. And it's just kind of like, you don't have to talking about (laughs) that. That wasn't our idea at all. I swear. (laughs) It's just, it's just funny how that works out like that. Isn't it? No, it, you know, I think it's, it's worked really well for us. And it's been, um, it's been not only a really cool expansion to be able to say, Hey, look, guys, we opened, uh, you know, an office in Toronto, but also some of the things that we had to learn in building the, you know, the Toronto office have really helped our ability to sell uh, and move freight from the U.S. as well. Oh, I bet that that's just kind of like the, the, the best value add you could have ever asked for. Um, so one of the questions that I have, um, and obviously you don't have to reveal your super top secret research, but um, most of the brokerages and 3PLs are currently developing plans for Mexico, given the rise of reshoring down there. And, you know, you guys have done that, but now you went up north to Canada. What kind of prompted the decision to double to instead of double down on Mexico and create a stronger presence down there or enhance the presence that you already have down there? What made you go now, Canada? This is it. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, and obviously nearshoring is like, you know, one of the, if not the buzzwords in the logistics industry this year. Uh, and it's something that we've been, as you mentioned, all over ourselves. You know, we acquired Forager. Uh, we opened the office in Guadalajara, which is, you know, scaling at an incredible rate. Um, so we've we've invested heavily into the Mexican expansion. But for us, the Canadian expansion just felt like the next logical step in our mission to be a full, uh, full North America-wide solutions provider. So when you actually look at, you know, the market... This expansion puts us in a fairly small class of brokers who have offices in Mexico, U.S., and Canada. Uh, and, it, and it really sets us up to move freight pretty much everywhere from Chiapas up to Nunavut and kind of everywhere in between. Uh, so, you know, we had kind of an organic beginning to the Canadian division that arrived. We've got almost 6,000 6, shippers uh, that are mostly based in the U.S., and as they started to ask us, hey, guys, while you're at it, can you move a, a Canadian load for us here or there? It built up kind of this organic groundswell of Canadian business. And once we saw that we hit a bit of a critical mass, we thought, OK, it's time to start paying proper attention to this as uh, as a proper division and to do it the arrive way. So the arrive way is built on you know two key pillars of customer obsession and relentless pursuit of perfection. So when we looked at the Canadian market, we thought, OK, well, For us to achieve those things, the the arrive way, we needed to actually have boots on the ground. Uh, So really, it's been us shifting the the goals that we haven't been quiet about, which is like being a top broker in America. And now we're just kind of adding a north in front of that and saying, hey, we're going to be a top broker in North America. Uh, And man, we've been running as fast as we can at that goal. I absolutely love that. You're kind of just like, no, don't worry about it. Like we have everything that you would ever need. And I mean, I'm sure Canada is the next expansion point for a lot of, uh, you know, brokers looking to be that, that source for international freight. Um, I think you guys just kind of got in early. So who knows, maybe 2024 will be the year that we hear, you know, the rise and expansion of things in Canada, but you guys are going to already have that locked up. Like we got it. Don't worry about it. I'd like to think so. Yeah. And you know, it's, It'll be interesting to see whether or not that happens because I think a lot of the key players that are already working in the, that are already moving Canadian freight in the industry, a lot of them have been doing so from Chicago or from wherever else. 
and they're comfortable that way, you know, and they've gone years without making those investments. So it, it'll definitely be really interesting to see if, you know, maybe we're, uh, we're going to start a flood here. I mean, I, hopefully it's a contained flood, but you know, we'll find out. <laughs> so what are some of the biggest, cause you said that you've had, you have a lot of experience with Canadian 3PLs and everything like that. So you kind of already have a leg up on people who, you know, have primarily been working out of Chicago or, you know, here in the States. What, um, what are some of the biggest challenges that come with setting up that office in Toronto, in Canada, where, you know, traditionally a company hasn't done business before? Sure. Yeah. And, you know, obviously it's an expansion into a new country is never just a simple, easy thing. Um, luckily, we learned a lot of really great lessons from the Mexican expansion. So obviously the specifics are different that we need to accommodate for, but the items, the type of things that we're looking at uh, are pretty similar. So, you know, with any geographical expansion, you're going to be looking at, you know, making sure you're accounting for legal, uh, governmental, uh, financial differences between the countries. Uh, but luckily, even though I was Canada hire number one at Arrive, there's been people at Arrive that long predate my arrival who have great expertise in, you know, Canadian laws and practices. Uh, our chief legal counsel is actually Canadian. So we've been able to work through those challenges in, I would say, as swiftly as, you know, your typical bureaucracy kind of allows. Um but I think, you know, one of the big things that jumps out to me as a challenge, which is also a great opportunity for us, is, you know, personally, I've followed Arrive's historic growth for the last, I don't know, five, six years in particular. And I kind of just assumed that everybody else was following along with me in Canada. Uh, and as we've gone to the Canadian market, I think what we've seen is that, man, we've still got some real work to do to put our name on the Canadian part of the map. And... Honestly, I think this is going to be one of the biggest gifts for us in the long run. You know, we're not really interested in trading on, or at least exclusively trading on, the success we've had on the U.S. side in Canada. We want to reprove ourselves. We know that if we're going to be a Canadian market leader, it really does mean that we need to show the Canadian market first and firsthand what's made Arrive so special and why we've grown so quickly in other markets. Uh, so, you know, shippers, carriers, candidates especially, uh, you know, we need to show those people the Canadian way of Arrive. And uh, so far, so good. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So is the Canadian way of arrive just arrive, but aggressively more nice? And with like more poutine and more plaid and lumberjack sweaters, you know? Um, I, uh, no, I'm not going to lie. If there's not a Mountie in the office, um, or like a statue or a picture of a Mountie, I will be a little sad. Uh, I'm sure other Canadians won't appreciate it as much, but, um, me personally as an American who just, you know, loves to talk about poutine and Mounties that should be in the office. Well, you, you can't see my pants, but I am actually wearing, you know, the pants where they've got like the big things that bulk out at the sides. Um, so, you know, I, I got at least some of it covered. I absolutely love that. Um, but I guess like, 
So you said that you want to like prove yourself and everything like that. So essentially, I don't want to say you're starting from ground zero because you have that brand recognition. You already have that name, but you do, you kind of are starting from ground zero because, you know, everyone in Canada, they're kind of like arrive, arrive who or kind of like what's arriving. Um, so kind of how do you, is the way that you're approaching some of these new potential Canadian customers, is it the same approach that you would have for some of your US and Mexico customers, or is it a completely different approach because it's Canada and everything's a little different? Yeah. So, you know, that's been so top of mind for us from the very beginning. And I think a lot of that is because, you know, to your point, Mary, we're, we're not really thinking about this as just copy and pasting, let's say, you know, Austin or Chicago into Toronto. We are very much thinking about it as a startup within Arrive. And as a startup, it requires to be built slightly differently uh, and to take the best of kind of both worlds, right? The best of what worked in the U.S. and apply it to what will work in the Canadian market. Um, so I think the first big thing for us is, you know, one of our key competitive advantages is our tech platform, our proprietary uh, tech platform that um, we needed to build out to specifically accommodate for Canadian domestic and cross-border shipping. So, man, we had things like multi-currency, taxes, weight restrictions, um, multi-language uh, uh, differences. We had to build all of these things into our system to allow for the efficiencies and the accuracies that we've given, you know, in the tools for our U.S. people. Um, so now I think we really do have the best tech in the Canadian industry. Um, we're also really building out, you know, our, our Canadian carrier base uh, through a number of different kind of internal programs. Uh, we've got our, you know, our committed capacity program. We've got our private fleet program. Uh, we're also giving Canadian carriers access to our tech platform, the carrier facing pieces, you know, that allow them to, uh, see and match and book available loads on their own to, you know, upload documents, input tracking info, things like that. Um, but honestly, I think the biggest difference in how we're launching Canada versus the U.S. for Arrive is that while the U.S. division was really built almost exclusively in the early days on U.S. domestic drive and truckload, We've been expanding a lot over the last few years, and not just geographically in Mexico and Canada, but also modally in open deck, temp control, LTL, intermodal and drayage. And because of the timing of those expansions, we've already got a lot of that built in Canada. So unlike the US where we had to build it later and then circle back to those things, we're doing that all in Canada today. And I think that puts us in, uh, in a great position to be able to say yes to more of our customers' freight offerings, you know, in Canada and to bring on a class of customers in Canada that it took us a number of years to really be able to service uh, in the U.S. As someone who used to work with uh, the Canada, we had a very little cross-border, um, but it was always... It was always better than cross-border with Mexico because we could at least see where the shipment was going in Canada, whereas Mexico we fondly referred to as a black hole. Um, well, that's because you weren't working with traffic with, with, with Arrive, right? I mean, if we had had, uh, if you had been on RTMS at that time, you would have had lots of visibility. I, this was a TMS that we were working on that if you tried to do anything outside of like the United States, it freaked out. Like most of our Canada stuff, we had to like, 
pick a spot in New York. And then after we booked it, we had to go back and change it. And then like it, yeah, it was totally fine and in no way, shape or form a problem. Um, because our system, especially when it would go to like rate something and like pull a rate for something, um, it didn't recognize letters in the zip code. So that was always like really fun for me, um, to figure out how to then put the Canadian letters in the zip code, um, because we didn't know how to, cause in parts of the US, you know, you have the first three digits and that kind of breaks it into a certain area. Uh, we didn't know that, uh, the, or the, we didn't know the Canadian version of it. So to say it was a bit of a nightmare would be a bit of an understatement. And you know what, honestly, Mary, I think what you're describing there is really surprisingly common. Um, you know, I've seen huge brokerages that still struggle with those problems. I've seen shippers that you would not believe their size that struggle with those problems. Uh, so, you know, that's why we were so excited to build it out ourselves. So, you know, we knew we were solving the problems the way we wanted to solve them and in, in ways that allowed us to then integrate into other parts of our platform in meaningful ways. Because, man, I, I will tell you, those little things seem like really easy fixes, but then they turn out like, well, there's a lot of dependencies and, you know, uh, it, it's not as easy as it might seem for someone who doesn't know coding to just like, well, just add, add letters, right? Exactly. Just add letters and it's fine. Um, I think that that's that I think that almost solves the build versus buy debate of because, you know, everyone's always wondering, do I build my TMS? Do I buy my TMS? What do I do? And I mean, I think you've kind of, you know, nailed down one of the arguments for building it because there's there's not like a universal solution that you can just go to insert TMS provider here and say, I want something that works across all of North America. And everyone will be like, sure, we can do that just give us a couple years to roll out extra phases that's exactly honestly i can't tell you how many tms companies have made those promises to me over the years uh but yeah sure just come on board we'll have it built for you within three months um and and i think that's why you know that's why we recognized how much opportunity there is here i mean if you actually look at canadian tms companies there's very few there's very few canadian tms providers that are making big waves and I think that speaks to kind of that lack of Canadian logistics tech. Does the, um, so I guess, do a lot of companies in Canada use U.S. providers or do they all just stick with the mid-tier or the mid-versions of um, the Canadian providers? So what I've seen personally is I've seen some of the, the much bigger TMS providers being used here um, because, you know, when, when people are paying the exorbitant amounts that they are for those uh, services in some cases, uh, you know, they, they're they a little bit more likely to have some of those extra features built out. But if you're if you're in a brokerage position where you can't afford, you know, 100,000 setup fee and, you know, a few, a few hundred a month, uh, a few hundred thousand a year in cost, well, yeah, you might be left with completely inadequate solutions. And what I've seen personally is a lot of ad hoc workarounds, a lot of, oh, okay, well, yeah, there's this hole in the system here, so we have to do this. We have to either build multiple codes or we have to, uh, you know, have the same customer show up in five different places so that, you know, we can, we can apply the right principles to them. Uh, so yeah, there's, I'd say a lot of ad hoc workarounds where the tech isn't, uh, isn't there to support it. So then the questions I have is, um, so Canada is a bigger than the U S but you say the three PL market is smaller. <laughs> well, I mean, the first thing is basically the population more than anything. Um, so, you know, Canada has, you know, approximately, let's say 10%, give or take, of the uh, of the U.S. population. So 
Obviously, we don't expect there to be quite as much industry here. And obviously, the industry drives the supply chain needs. But we are still a pretty major player worldwide in the supply chain world. And, you know, some of that is anchored by a few big pieces. Uh, you know, one of those is the Port of Vancouver. It's the third biggest port in North America. Uh, the volume that moves through that port is, is, is astounding. Uh, you know, recent uh, uh, strikes notwithstanding, they're, uh, you know, one of the better ports that you could use in North America. Uh, Toronto is the fourth biggest city in North America. Uh, you know, we've got uh, Canada is the largest U.S. trading partner every year uh, to the tune of uh, 1.3 trillion, more than 1.3 trillion every year. So we we definitely are a big player. Uh, we are a supplier of some pretty meaningful commodities around the world. Uh, things like uh, crude and uh, refined petroleum, uh, automotive products, agricultural products. We've got a really strong import economy as well, uh, bolstered partially by uh, a very multicultural population. Um, but, you know, the, the market, the Canadian 3PL market is expected to hit about 20, 25 billion by 2028. So fine, it may not be, you know, the numbers we're looking at in the US, but hey, 25 billion is a pretty big number. And that means there's a lot of uh, a lot of money to go around there. Twenty five billion is more money than I even know how to comprehend in my brain. Um, I struggle with one billion um, because to me, like to me, like a hundred million is like close to a billion, but it's it's not. You need nine hundred more million, which is a lot. Like, look, it's that's that's more money than I can even fathom to see in my lifetime. So. Yeah, and I think one of the things that excites us the most when uh, kind of the, the the dynamics of the Canadian market, even in its size, is um, a lot of the key players in the industry are really kind of legacy companies. Uh, and because they're kind of that legacy style company, I think the market's also pretty ripe for disruption, uh, especially with, you know, a model like arrives in, in a 3PL market that's as, I would say, fragmented as the Canadian market is. I am really looking forward to um, the rise of Canada. Uh, it seems you're painting it a little bit like a sleeper agent. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, that being said, we are running out of time. But Noah, we have peppered uh, your coworker, David Spencer, with endless questions about his life. So today it's your turn. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh, man. Okay, so you're, you're opening a can of worms here a little bit. Um, I'm a former philosophy student. So I, I see this from like, what have I done? That I, hey, you, you, you did it. It's on you. Um, <laughs> so I see this as like a semantics and epistemology problem. But I'm going to boil it down. So as far as I'm concerned, you've got meat between bread. That's a sandwich. And I think the, the trouble is, if we're not willing to grant a hot dog sandwichhood, then we are, yeah, I just made up that word, sandwichhood. Um, then now we have to throw out a bunch of other sandwiches. Like, what about a sub? That comes on a bun. You know, what about a brisket sandwich? Sometimes those come on buns. Those are all definitively sandwiches. So I think there's a very slippery slope. And even the shape people have a problem with, well, you cut your square sandwiches in half, that creates rectangles. Those are pretty similar to the shape. So I don't know. These are the thoughts that keep me up at night. Um, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm pleased to know that Miriam Webster has recently sided with me in definition. I mean, I love that, Miriam. I love that for Miriam Webster and you. However, I still stand by my argument that when you go to a deli and you order a sandwich, you're not going to get a hot dog. 
like you're just not you're not going to see a hot dog on the deli menu um but i respect where you're coming from and you are making me question all sandwiches so um thanks for the philosophical you know existential crisis on sam on hot dogs can't wait to uh can't wait to deal with that at two o'clock in the morning when I'm trying to go to sleep tonight. <laughs> but if anyone wants to reach out to you on, you know, maybe best ways for approaching a Canadian shipper, getting started in Canada, or their own philosophical thoughts at 2 a.m. about uh, hot dogs, where can I find you outside the show? Uh, you can reach out to me, uh, nsidenberg at arrivelogistics.com, or uh, you can uh, contact us through our website, uh, find me on LinkedIn. I'm all over the place. All right, you guys heard it here first. Noah's DMs are open, and I uh, I would like to encourage you to send him a message at 2 a.m. while you're awake with your thoughts. <laughs> Only if it's about hot dogs. <laughs> you can find Check All the Podcasts anywhere you get your podcasts, like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to check out all the other incredible FreightWaves podcasts, such as Rethinking, Reshoring, and Great Quarter Gals. You can subscribe to the newsletter on FreightWaves.com slash CheckCall. See you on the internet.